The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I am joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? Dude, we're in a new studio. We I are am in great. a new studio. How cool is this? Yeah, uh, this is pretty interesting. I mean, we're broadcasting live from K2. Is that the name you kind of want to give here? Like, I, I, I've decided I think K2 is a really cool name because this is our second studio. Yeah. The first one was at your... Your house, the, the the Ryan Carella house. Yeah, that's K one. This is now another Ryan Carella house. This is K two. K two, and also kind of works with my name anyway. So K two. So people think it's your because your last name is K K A Y E. Yeah. Are you just slowly trying to steal the studio? Is that what this is? No, but it's not like the mountains called K two, two. Ha. T O O. Well, set the scene for us here, Dave. You have a gift for illustrating things. Uh, like, w- what what's an improvement in the new studio? Oh well, I mean, first of all, a one hundred foot cascading waterfall <laughs> that somehow doesn't emanate sound is fascinating. Uh, we got Neil deGrasse Tyson to work on that with some physics and creating shield systems to enclose things. There's there's an aviary. Um, have you seen Forbidden Planet? No. Okay, then never mind. It, it's very white. There's nothing. We have to decorate this place. Yes. There, there's still a lot of, like, basically, we just got everything in here so we could get this episode in. We don't have, you know, we, I want to adorn it with, you know, pictures of guests we've had on the show. Maybe get the Break the Business logo in here. Right now, it's it's just very it's, sparse. You know, Ryan, it's a blank canvas. Oh, It's I a like blank that. canvas ready to receive our thoughts and ideas, our spiritual inclinations what the universe is going to tell us ryan we are open to it along with you out there just as we are open to you the listener you can help create this space as well it's a blank canvas for all of us on this journey rolling it's rocketing through space and time that is the break the business podcast now on episode number 37. How about that? 37. Yeah, I- I'm I'm open to the listeners giving any suggestions on what we can do to sort of improve the studio space, make it look a little more cool. I tweeted out a picture of the space so people have seen it. I can certainly tweet it out again. Mm-hmm. One of the things I do like about this new studio setup, aside yeah. from just that there's more space and I think you know the floor is carpeted, so I feel like the sound is going to absorb better. Is we have air conditioning now. Yeah, and it's not like a, a loud unit that we have to turn off, you know, or, you know, th- no, it's just normal house air conditioning. Yeah, it's comfortable. It's, yeah, it's weird. I, like, th- th- that is the thing. It's like, it's nice, but also it's change. And uh, sometimes I don't do well with change. Well, I, I hope we can adjust. And honestly, I don't know how the sound quality is yet. I mean, that's still a work in progress in the new studio. We're going to bring in some stuff and change it. So, and it's kind of hard to tell live as we're listening to it whether this is good sound or bad sound. If it sounds terrible, listeners, bear with us. We will continue to improve it until it sounds even better. But thank you for working with us. And but I, I think it's I think it sounds better. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I guess you know I'll, I'll let you know because I'm actually the one that listens to this show. I feel like actually I'm the quality control person on the show. 
You you don't. You you, you edit it. You put it out, but you actually don't listen to. The I don't product. listen to the podcast. Do you? I listen to every episode. I don't think you do. In fact, I probably listen to more of the episodes than you do because I know in segments that you're not in, like when we interview people and you're not in the studio, you just skip right through those. But no, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but <laughs> did but, I just expose you? I feel bad. But because I listen to a lot of our stuff together yeah. a lot and replay that over and over again, I'm willing to bet I've listened to more of the show than you have in terms of time. In terms of hours, that because yes. You, but how much of it is just like listening? Like if you if you have a joke on an episode, you gotta be honest with me here. Yeah. If you're if you're doing an episode of the podcast and you're listening to it and you tell a joke that just lands, like it's a good joke. Uh-huh. How many times like will you listen to that? Oh, that was like thirty seven seconds over and over again. Well, I usually well okay. Like I'll give you a for instance <laughs> when we were doing the Oscars and Sylvester Stallone and we were going listening through his many things and I basically gave you my synopsis of the movie over the top. Yeah. I probably listened to that like at least ten times. <laughs> oh my God. Um, some of the metal days I've listened to probably like fifteen times to twenty. Canada Dave also same amount. Um, yeah. So the answer to that is you do yes I'm right you do like you listen to more hours but it's just more of your best stuff. Listen when I'm at work and if there's no new podcasts up right now for me to enjoy and listen to for my other shows I like. I'll go to break the business and look at uh, one of the funny ones. And, and listen to the best of Dave. Essentially, yes. That's I, I, Basically, that's what I've done. Like, now, that's what I call Dave Volume 1. It's like, ooh, nice Dave bit here. Okay, yeah. music industry stuff. Skip, 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 skip. Oh, Ryan's talking about law. Skip, skip. Oh, Canada Dave, I'm going to listen to this. That's yeah. you. Basically. <laughs> well... <laughs> I'm excited for the new space and what it's going to mean and mm-hmm. you know, what it could mean. You know, we have all kinds of great s- stuff in the works for the podcast going forward, and I'm excited about that. And I especially like when we're, we're going to get our new Los Angeles studio when we move out there. <laughs> what? I'm looking at apartments in uh, Los, uh, Los Feliz. Los Feliz? That's what they call it out there. Okay, that's what they call it, even though it is Feliz, like, you know, yeah. Spanish. Like, no one calls it Amarillo, Texas. It's Amarillo. Is that right? Yeah, Am- Am- Amarillo. You look at it, it's Amarillo. Right, it's no, I, yellow. I, I, right, I know, but like people call it Amarillo in Texas. Yeah, they don't call it Amarillo. No, it's Amarillo. Wow. Amarillo. You never heard of Amarillo, Texas? I, I've heard of the city. I thought they called it Amarillo. No, well, I mean, maybe the Mexican residents do. Well, that's true. Anyway, so as we said before, if you want to help us kind of improve the look of the studio space a bit, uh, you can reach out to us. And the best way to reach out to that to the podcast for that or for any reason is to mm-hmm. email us at break the business at gmail.com if you have questions that you want us to talk about on the show uh, music industry related or just if you want dave to do funny things that he'll listen to 10 times in a row at work if you want to sing our praises yeah that's where you go uh break the business at gmail.com you can follow me on twitter at ryan k-a-i-r you can follow my handsome friend dave at metal dave 85 i love that name a significant improvement over uh, the incomprehensible twitter handle you had before (laughs) thank you I, I'm noticing, I feel like you're also a little thrown off by the new studio space. I can tell your rhythm is off a little bit. I mean, yeah. The rhythm is going to get you, Ryan. Well, you know what it is, and you talked about this before we started recording, is we are using a, we're using a bigger table now. Yeah. And I'm farther from you. Yeah, we are farther away. I mean, we're about, what would you call this, four feet apart? Uh, Give or really? take. Maybe, yeah. Three or four feet. And in the old studio, we were like right up on each other. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was having like a really 
kind of a creepy close conversation with you, but we've been doing that for six months now. So that's what I'm used to. Now I feel like I'm talking to you from the other side of the room. Not even six months, almost. I mean, we started in August. Yeah. This is end oh of May God. time. Oh my God. Yeah, it's been almost a year. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're, you're kind of far away. Like I can't even like reach out and high five you from here. This so is so basically funky. the table is a metaphor for our relationship because we used to be closer. Yeah. Now you also, we got this new studio. You got married. I see less of you. So. Oh gosh. I, wow. Yeah. And I also noticed the tables aren't even connected. There's a little bit of a gulf. Yeah. I had to, there's a, there's a gap, a ridge. Well, we had to put the wires in a chasm, Ryan, an ever widening chasm. So anyway, you can also like the Break the Business <laughs> podcast on Facebook. You just search Break the Business. We got a guest coming up in the next segment. I'm super excited for us to talk to Chris Robley. Ryan, Chris Robley, that name sounds familiar. Where um, have I heard that before? It is familiar because we've actually talked about his articles a bunch of time on times on this podcast. In fact, I feel like uh, he's contributed as much as like Mary Amber has and you know you or me. He's almost like a third host that we also don't pay. And because of all the great... Because we, we talk about his articles, because in addition to being a fantastic indie artist and podcaster, uh, he's also the marketing coordinator for CD Baby and writes articles on the DIY Musician blog. And those articles we frequently talk about on the show because he gives great advice for indie artists. We're going to have him here in the next segment. He's going to talk about those articles. He's going to talk about his career in music. He's going to be a great guy to talk to. CD Baby, that also sounds familiar, right? Where have I heard that before? <laughs> That's a fantastic question. CD Baby is um, probably my favorite indie music distribution service. So one of the great challenges that indie artists had in the old music industry, if you didn't want to, basically where you were forced to get a record deal if you wanted to release music, is you needed some big company to do music distribution. You know, making CDs, getting your stuff on iTunes and other sites was way too hard to do without a distributor. Mm -hmm. And then CD Baby came along and said, we can make CDs for you. We'll get your music on iTunes and Spotify and all those things. And we're not going to take all your royalties. We're not going to own your masters. We just want a tiny little piece, like, you know, 15% or whatever right. it is. And so CD Baby is a true friend of the indie artist. So and if you're looking for a distribution option, they're pretty solid. You go to cdbaby.com. And in addition to the distribution that they do, uh, they also have the DIY Musician blog where they give lots of great advice uh, to indie artists. That's Chris Robley and Kevin Bruner and a couple other guys on that show. You stole my thing. Oh, were you about to say, oh, Kevin Bruner? Do no, I was going to do it. I was going to do it a funny way. I was going to say, Ryan, I was at the Miami Marlins game last night. You know what? They had a bobblehead giveaway. Do you know who they had gave away, Ryan? Who? Kevin Brown. Remember the World Series pitcher from yeah, 1997? Yeah, World Series hero for the Marlins. Yeah, yeah, back in 97, right? And I think I went to the World Series. Did you go to the World Series game? Uh, I never went to No, a game. that's right. Your uncle actually pulled a cruel joke on you or something. Are you, are you going to... This, well, no, we have to get... But anyway, the full point was Kevin Brown, KB, Kevin Bruner. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Uh, we and also you stole that from me. We had his CD... Uh, See, uh, I'm, I'm going back to the, the other studio. The other studio seemed to function just fine. This is baloney. <laughs> uh, Oscar Meyer baloney. Uh, Chris Robley's, we've, we, yes, we have had Chris Robley's CD Baby colleague, Kevin Brewer. Also in the on marketing the show. department. I feel like we're just going to be burning through the CD Baby marketing department. So, um, <laughs> Brian over there in the corner, you're next. Well, they got a lot of cool dudes over at CD Baby. It's been, uh, it's awesome to talk to them. And so, but before we get 
uh, Chris Robley. I almost said Kevin Bruner. No, we've had him on before. Okay. Before we had Chris Robley uh, come in and we chat with yeah. him. It's time for the news. Yeah, we got, got a little piece of uh, uh, entertainment law news that we can talk about. Oh, do you want to do the law thing here? Hang well, on. no, but is that is this really part of the law, though? Well, we're talking about contracts, so... I Well, I don't... But is this... I don't know. Do you want to play the Judge Dredd clip or not? I don't know. I didn't know if... The, okay, fine, whatever. Why did you judge me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law! <laughs> now, I think Armand... Now, playing the role of Armand... Screw you. Armand Asante. Man, this new studio. It's cursed. It's cursed. It's on some sort of ancient, you know, ceremonial site. Um, Armand Asante uh, is being played by Dr. Luke. Oh, betraying the law. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, we. Uh, that was a good segment. And you, wow. Come on, guy. Just whatever. Just. He's good with it. Well, sorry, I'm I'm a little thrown off because I'll admit to you, maybe this isn't maybe yeah, this isn't strict entertainment law news, and so maybe I I shouldn't have played the Judge Dredd clip, but I really like the Judge Dredd clip. I like it too. Fine, you know, edited this out. <laughs> no, we got it. It's good. So uh, tonight, May twenty second. I don't know what you're going to be watching on TV tonight, but many folks in the music world are going to be tuned into the Billboard Music Awards. Um, I'm and- probably not going to watch it. Yeah, you're yeah, not- I'm not. I don't care. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, I think I'll probably just watch Silicon Valley or Veep, both or great shows. Maybe you know. I think I told you uh, I I recorded on DVR Double Indemnity. Oh, with last night Fred with McMurray. Fred McMurray. Well, if you decide yeah. that you for some reason don't want to watch any of that quality programming and you want to check out a nice music awards show. You can check out the Billboard Music Awards. Uh, it will feature a performance by recording artist Kesha, who, as many of you know, are, is currently suing her producer, Dr. Luke, to get out of an exclusive recording agreement that she has with him. Among the claims alleged in the suit are that Luke sexually assaulted the 29-year-old singer. The lawsuit's been going on for over a year and a half now. Can you believe how long it's been? Wow. And we've been talking about it a lot on the show. Yes. Um, I mean, people everywhere are talking about it. It's always on Twitter. It's always on. It's in the trades and everything. Yeah. It is in the trades. Uh, you know, Variety, Billboard, they're always like, I feel like every week there's something happening with this case. And everybody's talking about it. Social media blowing up. And for an entertainment law story, you know, something that involves courts and contracts, I'm surprised that the extent to which this lawsuit has just captured just mainstream attention. There's traction. Yeah, serious Major traction. traction. And no, and uh, that traction has continued this past week um, in which the uh, Kesha, where we talked about Kesha's performance on Billboard Music Awards, yeah. which almost didn't happen. Yeah, this this is weird. Yes. Um, so on May 11th, so let me let me start from the beginning on this, uh-huh. or at least from this like Billboard, because she almost didn't get to perform. But because on, on May 11th, TMZ put out a report uh, saying that according to sources, and that's all they said, sources, uh, that Kesha was going to use her. Is that a lawnmower? No, that was like a car or a motorcycle. New studio, folks. Um, I wonder if that even picked up on the mic. Anyway, on May 11th, uh, TMZ put out a report saying that Kesha was going to use the awards performance to make reference to the legal battle between her and Dr. Luke, and that she was even going to include images of Dr. Luke in that performance. Oh, boy. Yeah. So... (laughs) Needless to say, Dr. Luke was thrilled. Yeah. Uh, um, so, but as a result of the report, Dr. Luke's company, Kimosabi Records, refused to allow Kesha to perform. You know, tried to put the squash on it, and you know there was some back and forth. Kesha came out and said, "That's not what I'm going to do during the performance." 
I don't know where this TMZ report came from. I'm just doing a tribute to Bob Dylan. Um, but anyway, fast forward, we have a, yeah, right. Bob Dylan. Wait, really? Yeah. She she's went, not just performing Kesha stuff. No, she's, she's performing a tribute to Bob Dylan. That's what she was going to do. So billboard having Kesha do a tribute to Bob Dylan, just forgetting everything else right now. <laughs> that was the decision. That's right. Yeah. Who captures Bob Dylan's essence, <laughs> cultural significance in a time of upheaval back then in the 60s and even going on now? Who do we got at the stable that just oozes that sort of stuff? Kesha. That's okay. Right. Continue, Ryan. <laughs> You're just going to let that? Okay. Um, so anyway, fast forward. We have a few days of ho- social media hubbub. A bunch of articles get written. People yelling on Twitter. May 19th. Kimosabi Records releases a statement to BuzzFeed. I don't know why BuzzFeed gets it. Like, wasn't BuzzFeed like the you know check out these cute puppies? Yeah, and that, now they're a serious journalistic. Yeah, the sentence outlet. Kimosabi Records told BuzzFeed. <laughs> this just sounds like what is this world? I don't so, know. Sorry, it, but look, it is what it is. Yeah, they put out a statement to BuzzFeed saying that Kesha can perform and that they had always approved the performance, but that they were that they merely were suspending it temporarily once until they received assurances from Kesha that she wasn't going to discuss the litigation during the performance. And once they got those insurances, they said, awesome, go for it, go perform. And look, here's the thing. And, and so she will be performing tonight. Okay. Here's the thing about this social media right now. They're, they're, they're cheering. Hooray. We did it. We won. Kesha gets to perform and she'll perform tonight. And then everybody's just going to stop talking about this and they're going right. to move on to whatever the next story is. And what upsets me, and oh, I get so frustrated by this whole back and forth, is that everyone right now is saying, yay, the recording company's allowing her to perform. The recording company's letting her perform. Mm-hmm. Justice has prevailed. And nobody's bringing up the far more pertinent question of why on earth does a record company get to be the one that decides whether an artist performs in the first place? That, when you see the message of the story, it's like, oh yeah, she's allowed to. Like, but wait. It's an award show. She's an artist. Right. She's an artist. Don't they just invite you and that's it? Right. You're a record company. You're supposed to, you make recordings. Why do you get to now determine what this artist, and, and this isn't about the artist, this isn't about the Kesha performing a song that the record company made. She wanted to perform Dylan. Right. And it's, it's like, has the balance of power in the music industry gotten so screwed up? Have recording companies been exploiting artists for so long that we just consider it normal for a record company to have a contractual right to prevent an artist from performing in an award show. And nobody just thinks that's completely screwed up. It, it is weird. I, I never thought about it before because I mean, when, yeah, you see performances at award shows it's like, Oh, there's performing. And usually they're people who have some new stuff out or they're obviously big names and their award show wants to, and the, the television, you know, uh, company wants numbers. They want people on there. But yeah, you're right. It's like, wait, this system exists where they could say, well, we don't, we actually don't want this person performing at the Billboard Awards. We don't want this our artist performing at the Grammys. Why? Yeah. What to? What's the negative impact here? Yeah. They're not like doing a solo project somewhere else. They're performing on a damn national televised program. That's right, and it's particularly scary when you have a contract that basically allows the record company or the production company, in this case, Kimo Sabi or whoever it is. Like, I can't take that seriously. <laughs> <laughs> to control every aspect of the artist's professional livelihood. Because when that happens, 
it makes it very hard for the artist to vindicate for their rights. Because now if you feel like you're being screwed over by your record company and you have a legal grievance, it's okay, now I'm going to sue you. And the record company says, okay, fine. Well, no more recording, no more performing at award shows, no more doing anything without our permission. It makes it very hard for you to, to fight for yourself. And, 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 and look, if, if Dr. Luke has you know, truly done something wrong here, he should absolutely be punished. He should be on trial, uh, whether in public opinion or otherwise. But that doesn't mean that there isn't also room to put the whole system on trial as well, because really with this Kesha, Dr. Luke, you know, the whole damn system is wrong. Um, this you're out of order. The whole damn system's out of right. order. Yeah. This, because really what Kesha, Dr. Luke is, is a product of a broken system in which there is a significant balance of power problem. And the discussion right now is all about whether Dr. Luke should have tried to prevent Kesha from performing at the Billboard Awards. And what I want to know is why isn't some of the discussion, why does Dr. Luke have that right in the, the first place? Right, yeah. No, and, it's dumb. And it, it's, it's really bad. And I think part of it is the emergence of the so-called 360 deal. In the old days, as you know, record deals were just... You know, you, I, you know, record label fronts you the money to make the record. You make the record, the record company owns the record and basically pays the artist no money. That was the deal. And it was a sucky deal, but at least what the artist said was, okay, I'm not going to make any money off my records because it's a totally one-sided deal. But you know what? The record, you know, if the label sells my record, it's going to get my name out there and I'll go make money on touring. Right. I'll, you know, I'll go do live performances and that'll... I'll control that avenue. That's right. Yeah. But now we have the 360 deal where the label controls merchandising, live performances. Basically, if the artist wants an act in a movie, you know, every aspect of the artist's entertainment career, the label gets a cut and the label often has control over those activities as what appears to be the case in this Kesha Dr. Luke deal. Right. And now... When an artist tries to fight for their rights or tries to move themselves forward in the industry, you have this corporation, whether it's a label or a production company, that controls everything the artist does creatively. And that stinks. And and I don't know if I want to just you know, blame the media, blame uh, the trades, blame somebody, but why is that aspect of this not being talked about more? Is it just that, I mean, honestly, is it just that we, that artists have been crapped on for so long by the music industry that we just think this is normal? I just don't think people know about it. You know, because I, I, I honestly had no idea because it just, you know, it sounds so far fetched. I think that's what it is. People just don't know. Don't know what exactly? Like, well, that the level of control. Like, yeah. you know, with the performances, with all the other stuff, I just think people are unaware of just the level of control. I think that, oh, record deal. Okay. Yeah, it's just but, making records. But yeah. I mean, but but now but now we see it. Now mm-hmm. we see that it you know a a record company. I mean, let's call it what it is because like you know they keep calling it a production deal because they produce for Sony Records, which mm-hmm. is the record company. But effectively, it's a record deal because she can't record for anybody but Dr. Luke. And now we're seeing it in the news that this company came within six inches of telling Kesha that you can't perform a song that we didn't even record with you right. on television. And now the people know. So now people have seen this. And now um, where's the backlash? (laughs) Like, where's people saying this is so corrupt and ridiculous? You know, but I guess also, even if they say that, what are they going to do? Stop buying the music? Well, I mean, fight for change in the industry. Like, like, for example, Mm -hmm. one of the things that, I mean, people might be, because that's a fair question. You might ask yourself, you know, how, how do we end this? How do we fix these? How do we keep these contracts from happening? And there are regulations you can use. So, for example, um, 
this might be getting super into the weeds. There's some entertainment law stuff here. Wait. Why did you judge me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. Law. Okay, serious law stuff coming here, so I think that's warranted. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, so um, you know from just you know practicing law and you know contracts, taking the bar exam, and everything mm-hmm. that it is that states often create restrictions on how uh, tough and how aggressive a personal services contract can be on the laborer. Mm-hmm. Like there are restrictions. Like for example, you know you often cannot you force a person to work against their will. You know, if somebody, you know, you can't get specific performance right, as yeah, a remedy yeah, yeah. in a labor yeah. contract. One of the other things that they do in the state of California is they set a time limit on all personal services contracts. And that time limit is seven years. Okay. So you cannot in the state of California, where most of these record deals happen, you cannot make a contract last for more than seven years that if it's for personal services, which a record deal would be. Yeah, basically. And that's particularly important in the record industry because record deals are based on numbers of albums mm-hmm. and the record company controls when those albums come out. So a record company, if they wanted to, could keep an artist in a deal for many, many years just by dragging out the releases of albums or just saying, right. you know what? We don't want to make any albums with you right now, which is kind of what's happening to Kesha right now. Basically. Yeah. And, and so maybe you think to yourself, okay, one way to keep a record deal like this from being too corrupt is that seven year rule. Like at seven years, Kesha can leave. Yeah. Here's the problem. In the state of California, there is a exception to that rule for record contracts that says, yes, the seven-year rule applies, but the artist is still liable for damages to the label for all of the unrecorded albums. After that seven-year period. Right. So like, if it's a five-album deal, you've done seven years and you've only recorded two albums because the record label has dragged on this contract and is not recording albums with you. If you try to exercise your statutory right to leave the contract, they'll say, okay, now you owe us damages for the three albums you didn't make for us. It's, it's not liquidated damages, is it? It's basically just they'll have to go in and calculate what right. they'll, three they'll albums the damages are. Yeah. And it can get really messy. And, yeah. and you know, maybe it can be hard to calculate what those damages are that because was a it's good speculative. Lobby. That was a good lobby. That's exactly record companies. No, you like as much as you joke, that's exactly what it was. The record yeah. labels fought for this exception. Oh no, yeah, you can definitely <laughs> tell. Obviously, that's what it was. Like, oh wow, okay. These really these guys really wind and die in the California legislature. And yeah. uh so ooh, wow. If you're asking that sucks. Yeah. Exa- no, no, it was that's ex- it was a straight up lobbying job to let to privilege record companies differently than every other type of business that employs people for personal services. Right. So if you want to fix it, if you're if you're listening to this right now and saying the whole damn system's corrupt, but what can we do about it? Contracts are contracts. Fight for that change in the law. Make mm-hmm. it a seven-year cap, or maybe not even seven years, because that's if you need, you know you don't need seven years to break an artist. Make it like a five-year cap for record contracts with no suing for damages. So if you can't break that artist in five years, I don't care how many albums are on that deal, contract over, and you can fix a lot of problems in this industry. And you know, I mean, good luck seeing that happens because again, the labels are a powerful lobby. Well, I mean, you know, just call Jerry Brown. There you go. Yeah, that's the governor of California. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool if like th- this kind of started a movement? Like a bunch of people started calling like governors and congressmen, and you know, we, we, like a hashtag like five year rule or something like that. Well, then we need to go out on site, buddy. Ooh, it always comes back to that because I will be perfectly <laughs> you're just, honest. You're just I, trying to get me to move to California yeah, with cause, you because I'm perfectly honest. I'm not. I'm not calling up Rick Scott. I have no interest in talking to that guy. So. 
Let's go talk to Jerry Brown. Well, it, it couldn't just be in Florida. Like California is where this would have to be done. Okay, good. Because that's where all these contracts. Okay, so you're are saying happening. it has to be in California. Yes, it has to be. So, are you telling me that we have this important justice cause that we are embarking on, and you're just trying to use it as an excuse to get us to move to L.A. to satisfy your own desires? It can be both. You know. One thing does not preclude the other. We could live out there and also be campaigning for justice on the behalf of artists. I don't see the mutual exclusivity there. <laughs> there you go. Do you think we lost listeners there? Like, yes. Because I got, I got deep yes. into, the, into the legal weeds. Yes, 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 yes. I feel like also I kind of was checking out a bit, and I feel like even you were checking out a bit. I think, okay. I we, was checking out. I was the one talking. Exactly. That's what makes it so weird. We got to like spruce up this place. All right. You know what? We're going to, all right. And, and that we was. We got to zhuzh it up. Yeah. That, that was depressing because we were talking about legal terms and contracts and like artists getting stuck in record deals. So we're going to have some fun. All right. So I've, I've, I've said the piece where I've, I've lectured and given people way more legal knowledge than they want. Let's, let's get, we'll get Chris Robley in here. We'll have some fun with him and then we'll do some stuff in the D block. Hold on a second, Ryan. If oh. I may. Oh, but by the way, hey, 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 Ryan, how's it going? Hey? Oh. <laughs> Hi, Canada Dave. Oh, I, well, I just came by to see the new studio, and I think it looks really great and everything. Although I'm not sure if you want my opinion now or later. Um, I mean, do you want us to? Can we do that? Can we? Can we save that for the D block where we'll get all the characters? Okay, if, buddy. If anybody I mean, else it, wants it, to come in and talk okay. about the new studio? Okay, buddy. It, it's whatever you want. You know, I'm not here to cause you any trouble, right, buddy? Do you think people, maybe they don't know who I am right now because if they don't listen to the last part of the show, they're like, what's this now? I well, don't know. Well, weren't you on last week, Canada Dave? No, I don't. I don't. I don't, can't remember right now. No, no, no. Not not last week, buddy. But because I usually two don't, weeks I, ago. I usually don't appear this early in the show. That's true. So they're like, "What's going on?" But but the the people who don't know who I am, they're hosers, buddy. Oh God, they're hosers. Anyway, you continue on with this thing. I think we're going to be back with uh, Mr. Chris Robley. He just sounds like a swell guy from CD Baby. Eh? He truly is. We'll be right back on the Break the Business Podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business Podcast. He is a musician, songwriter, and poet originally from Portland, Oregon. He is also the marketing coordinator for CD Baby, where he writes for CD Baby's DIY Musician blog and co-hosts the DIY Musician Podcast. His latest album is The Great Make Believer, which is available on Bandcamp and other platforms. You can find out more about his many awesome projects by checking out chrisrobley.com and diymusician.cdbaby.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Robley is on the Break the business podcast chris thank you so much for being on with us yeah thank you for having me oh uh very much our pleasure um i feel like you've been on the show already a number of times because we've talked about you and your article so much behind your back that <laughs> it, it seems fair only fair that we have you on at some point to speak for yourself yeah and apparently <laughs> you and kevin bruner were talking about me behind my back oh my which God. I, I need to now go and listen to that episode yeah oh well i kind of hope you don't we were t uh, he was talking so much smack about you <laughs> your co-worker at cd baby that uh i'm kind of hoping you never come upon that episode i mean it's just just mean that guy I couldn't believe it <laughs> yeah he's a jerk it's 
<laughs> oh gosh, no. Yeah, bo- both of you are great, and I, I enjoy your podcast very much. Uh, you wear so many hats in your music career, Chris. I-, I feel like my bio for you just now would have been quicker if I had just named the things that you don't do. I should have just been like, well, he's not a haberdasher. He's he's not a gruff old school police sergeant who's one week from retirement. Just it, it just would have gone by a lot quicker. But you do a lot of cool stuff. Uh, tell people a little bit about yourself and your music and how you got into this diverse entertainment industry life that you now have? Wow. Um, well, I guess I could say the, the more, um, career, you know, the, the sort of music business side of things was very accidental. Um, I had, uh, worked at a bank, which was a job I took because I realized I could work there and not get kind of, you know, occupy my mind with a career. It was basically a, you know, crappy job that I could have and make music all night and play lots of gigs and one of those sort of throwaway jobs that you take. Um, but then, um, through that bank, I met, uh, the vice president at the time of CD baby and figured out what CD baby was and thought, Oh my God, this is an awesome company. It's right down the street from where I live, uh, in Portland, Oregon at the time. And, uh, for th- the next three years, literally, I bugged him for a job every time I saw him. And then finally something opened up and I got in there and learned, you know, various aspects of the business and, and had a lot of different roles over my time there, which is now more than 10 years. Um, so that was totally by accident. You know, it's like a happy accident. I'm, I, I uh, am psyched to work there and uh, but totally unplanned. On the music side of things, I guess I... Um, I kind of knew I wanted to play music uh, since I was 11, I think. I heard a guitar solo uh, in Paul Simon's concert in Central Park. And something about that, like, just, uh, like, electrified my body. And I went into my parents' room and I said, I need a guitar. (laughs) And, like, it was just something about that guitar solo. I was, uh, I like, the whole rest of my life became clear in a a very strange way in terms of where I was going to put my my energies and my creative ideas and all that. So That's, I'm not sure if that answers your question. It's kind of a, <laughs> well, a rambling history, but no, it, it did a good job. And you, and you, uh, and you got, it allowed me to imagine like a Paul Simon concert, which of course made me happy. And, <laughs> but no, you have all these great roles where, you know, you, you have the music life, you have the music industry life and you're wearing all these different hats. And I, you know, I, I've never met somebody who, 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 you know, has as many titles as you, and it and it made me wonder. I'm like uh, uh, Daenerys on Game of Thrones. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, well, do you find that having all of these roles ultimately benefits your creative product, or does it make creating music more challenging, or perhaps both? I think both. Um, I mean, there's definitely a lot of ways in which having that much access to many art. You know, CD Baby has almost half a million artists. Um, being able to watch what they do and having a perspective of someone who who kind of, you know, not oversees this exactly, but has access to to watching what people do with their careers, I think is is helpful um, in many ways. Uh, you know, and obviously there's a kind of like a um, an easy networking aspect to it. You know, um, but on the flip side of it is you realize how um, unlikely certain kinds of success that most people dream about um, really is. So there's like, I mean, it's like a kind of a dose of perspective and depending on the day, uh, I can wake up and think 
that's that's really helpful or <laughs> just a total bummer. Um, uh, and then there's, I, to be honest, there is a part of me that feels the, the kind of like, if there's such a thing as like the pure artistic part of me, like I do feel a little weird that um, when my music is out there and I'm trying to connect with someone as an artist or songwriter or whatever, um, that that people have a th- and, you know some people have the association of me being a kind of music industry person or like you know a, a one of the voices of CD Baby or whatever. So I feel like it. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if that kind of muddies people some people's perspective of me. Chris uh, Robley, just another industry suit. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that that's honestly that's the fear like that somehow. Um, having that kind of, um, role in the independent music world, um, invalidates some kind of what, you know, whatever artistic thing I'm trying to convey. I mean, I know from when I'm creating music, it's, that's totally not true. I'm still making music, um, you know, primarily for me first and then hoping it connects and, but you know, it's, it's almost that sort of thing. Like when, um, when someone's an actor and then they put out an album, you're like, ah, that album's going to suck. Like <laughs> they're an actor, but some, you know, like, because I feel like, well, I'm a musician first and foremost before anything else, but you might know me as the guy that wrote an article about six tips to make a music video. So suddenly I'm like that other thing, that sort of music marketing. Um, so anyways, this is, this is uh, me sitting on the couch and <laughs> well, well over here, my, yeah, sure. No, well, well I'll, I'll keep the therapy session going here. I like this. Well, I mean, what I would say to you in response is I hope that you don't let that sort of doubt creep in too much because what I, what I, what I see your role as, you know, you're not working at some like exploitative, you know, giant music industry behemoth. You're working at CD Baby, which, you know, in my view is one of the greatest friends to indie artists. And you write a bunch of articles in which you're helping indie artists. Like, you know, you're not you're not Chris Robley's suit. You're Chris Robley, you know, friend of the DIY musician. And that's sort of how I view you. Yeah, that's very good to hear. So and that's always like the hope. We're trying to always make sure like the people that use us know that pretty much everyone that works there is a musician and you know just trying to do what they're trying to do so now when you're that's telling good me, to hear now when you're telling me though that you, you used to work at a bank now that might <laughs> that might lower your cool factor a little bit but hey we, right hey uh but it seems to me like a bank seems like a great kind of job to have as a day job if you're trying to you know be a musician by night i mean they don't call them bankers hours for nothing yeah, and that was exactly. I mean, I wasn't like some high up banker. I was just a teller. It was a job I took out of school because you know it was, it was relatively easy to get, and I knew I could work four or five, six hours a day. And and the minute I walk out of there, none of that stuff is going to follow me home. Exactly. Uh, it's as long as I, you know, what do they call it? Balance your. Uh, as long as my drawer was balanced at the end of the day, then I could leave and not think about it until exactly. next time I come to work. Yeah. And speaking of the great things that you do for indie musicians, I very much enjoy your articles on the DIY Musician blog, which you can all find by going to DIYmusician.cdbaby.com. You give great advice to indie artists. You're super informed. We at the Break the Business podcast shamelessly steal your content all the time, <laughs> um, and we'll often turn them into segments because you have so many great things. We, of course, credit you, you know, as, as, as well we should, but, I mean, there's lots of great advice, and we just want to get it out to a bigger audience. Uh, and in fact, you wrote a couple great articles just in the last week on uh, YouTube videos. And I would love for you to talk about that subject here. Last week, I believe it was on the 13th, you wrote an article that talked about 
why artists should try to create a viral video series instead of just an unrelated, unrelated single video projects. Can you talk more about why? Yeah. Um, there's a couple of reasons. One is that, um, just in terms of engaging people that might be watching your videos, if you have a series, um, you know, someone finishes one video that they might come across and suddenly there's, there's more things in the series for them to follow up on. And suddenly you're boosting the amount of, uh, views that you're getting and the, you know, the number of, uh, minutes people are spending on your channel. Um, so it's just another way of kind of keeping people, people, people going, uh, in the same way that a TV series might, you know, from episode to episode. Um, so that's one angle to it. And the other is that, um, series in a way make you focus your ideas, um, on really what's going to work for an audience and what's going to work for you and your schedule and your budget. And, um, so when you're sort of brainstorming ideas for a series, part of that article is a, a 10 point checklist to say, you know, does this idea, uh, is it going to cut it as a series? And if it can, um, I think a lot of that, uh, yeah, it has a way of focusing your energy on, on, um, uh, being able to put out content on a regular schedule and, uh, making sure that your goals are achievable. Um, a lot of times if you just, um, you know, for instance, what I did with my music video, it was, a, it was not a series. It was a, you know, single idea. Mm-hmm. It took, a, it took a lot of preparation. We executed it. I put it out and then there's no, um, you know, in terms of my own process, there's no real follow up. It was just a standalone thing. So now the, uh, my, you know, machinations of creative ideas and trying to get a team together and all this stuff, I have to basically start from scratch every time I make a video like that. Whereas if you have a video series, uh, you know, that's all kind of built into the process. And, um, I think that can be helpful too. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it sort of lets your, this video content be a continuation instead of every single project just sort of being a hard stop. Uh, your article gave a couple of cool examples of video series. Can you talk about one of those? Uh, yeah. So I have a friend, Mike, um, who, uh, plays in a band called Union Gospel and he and his, uh, musical partner, he plays guitar and she sings. Um, and they had been going into the New York subways and, and busking, uh, essentially. And so they thought, you know, we're doing this anyways. Why don't we every week have someone shoot a video of one song? So they always do a cover song. Uh, and every week you get a different, uh, a different performance in the subway. It's kind of like a tech takeaway style show or, uh, I'm pretty sure they, on their first video, I think they had multiple cameras, but I think since then they've just simplified and, you know, it's a single, single camera, single take. Um, and I'm, I, I love them. I think she's got a great voice. He's a great guitar player, but, um, even more than that, I, I love their taste in music. And so every week I'm like psyched to find out what new song they're going to cover. Um, yeah. So then, you know, if, if I were to, I've been watching that from the beginning, but I imagine if I came to it new and they've already got 15 episodes up there or whatever, and I find one I love, then suddenly I'm going to waste my next hour watching. Well, I shouldn't say waste. I'm going to spend my next hour (laughs) (laughs) watching all these videos that they've created. Uh, so yeah, that's another, you know, benefit to the series. Like I said, just like kind of sucking people in and Oh, yeah. yeah. If people see something they like, their first reaction is going to be, I want more of this. Right, you know, exactly. I, I want to see this in different contexts and settings, and that speaks to the value of a video series. 
Uh, speaking of music videos, uh, a couple months ago, we were actually talking on our own podcast, speaking of stealing your stuff, about your music video for your song Anonymous uh, off your latest album, The Great Make Believer, and an article you wrote about that video in which you talked about how you were able to make this video on a small budget. Uh, and I imagine that that was something that a lot of artists are interested in. They're always thinking about how to make music videos uh, without busting their budget. So based on your experience with that video, can you give some tips to the listeners on how to make a strong music video without breaking the bank? Yeah. So, I mean, you might have already covered this, but um, I think the first thing is to involve your friends, uh, whether that be people that might have experience making films or or even if they just... Um, you know, have an iPhone and you need to borrow a couple extra cameras or something like, you know, you don't need, uh, some sort of film expert to make a, an interesting video. I think as long as the concept is good and as long as you take your time to execute it. Um, so get your friends involved. And, um, along with that, I think is that if, if you're asking people to work for free or for cheap, then you really can't be wasting a whole lot of time. So you need to, Think of a concept that you can achieve in basically in an afternoon or, you know, at the most two days. But I think even two days is pushing it when you're getting people to work for free. Um, so something that can be done in about four to six hours. Um, and then uh, a couple other, I think, points that I was trying to make in that article was that location is really important. And mm -hmm. also um, because you're going to be trying to do it in an afternoon you can't have a bunch of different locations because uh, that's going to eat up most of your time and, uh, you know, coordinating maps and all this stuff. So better to just pick a really strong location. And when you're thinking about where to shoot a video, don't ignore places that are in your backyard that you might not think are all that interesting because you've lived there for, you know, however long and it's old news to you, but might be super visually interesting to someone who lives 3,000 miles away. So, uh, you know, keep an eye out for for good local spots and don't be afraid to ask, um, for access to places that might seem off limits, like, you know, a museum or a monument or something like that, or I don't know, a, a town park or something that closes up after dark. Cause a lot of times these people who manage these properties or, or whatever are, um, happy to kind of showcase what they have, uh, as long as you're communicating with them and arranging all the logistics and they know you're going to be respectful of the uh, the environment and all this stuff. Um, and then another point I think I was, uh, putting that article was to make sure that you have some kind of visual hook that you can repeat, uh, or, you know, some sort of main concept that, that works its way through the video and that you have it very well planned out and practiced because if you kind of just show up on a Sunday afternoon at a park or whatever, and you're like, okay, what are we going to do? Well, we're just going to lip sync along to this video and there's no real interesting hook beyond that, then probably the video will be boring, but also you'll be I, I feel think, like grasping. I made that video about a hundred times in high school. <laughs> yeah, right. You're like, well, what do we do now? And then the person behind the camera is like, well, I don't know, just do something else. And you're like, well, like what? And then you're suddenly <laughs> self-conscious because you don't know what you're aiming for. So, so in my video, um, the uh, idea I had was to shoot it in a pool and for me to memorize the song um, in reverse so that I could lip sync along to a recording of the song that was playing backwards and I fall into the pool at some point. So that basically what you see on camera is I'm when the video is flipped around, um, I come out of the pool and it looks like I'm singing the song forwards. Um, so that was kind of the hook I had. And I thought, well, if we just do that 20 or 30 times in the video, it'll be interesting. And <laughs> uh, 
you know, ho- hopefully it's interesting enough to, to call it a video. And then thankfully the guy that, um, was helping me, uh, uh, shoot the thing. And, uh, he has experience as a director. He said, you know, that, that will be interesting, but I think there needs to be some extra element to it. So he had the, uh, idea of at the, at the end is a kind of this slow reveal of people watching me doing this. So, you know, it's not like a giant, um, surprise or anything, but it just had, was like one extra element that gave it a, some momentum from point A to point B or something, you know? Yeah, no, it, it was a cool concept. And, I often tell artists, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, keeping a modest budget on your music video and you can make a great video, but it's really critical to keep your concept simple. I think if you try to do something ambitious with multiple locations and a bunch of different things going on, it's going to be more obvious that your budget was not great. But if you're, if you're in a single room and you have a basic concept and you do a lot of pre-planning so that everything's efficient, uh, you can sneak by with uh with less dollars and still create a great video yeah i think i mean i think there's a lot to say for minimalism in in many ways like um in terms of album art you know at cd baby we get like 300 new albums a day um and we see all kinds of album art from the great to the terrible and um for, with the, when it's terrible i think to myself you know it's so clear that you you, the artist uh, that are submitting this title, don't have design skills, and you also don't know anyone that could help you. But you tried. You tried to be like a designer, and you failed. When, but you failed because you tried to do something very complicated. If you had just, you know, replicated the White Album and basically just put your band name in a cool font on a totally blank background or something like, I th- that wouldn't smack of like uh, amateurism. Mm-hmm. So I think the same applies for you know music videos. I, you know, I don't think anyone would watch my video and think it was a high budget thing, but at least they'd say, well, they put effort into that. You know, like it took obviously took some some planning. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to play the song Anonymous here on the show because I think a bunch of people are curious now about it. Uh, but before we do that, I had one more question for you. Uh, recently, we had Derek Webb, the CEO of Noise Trade on the show. We had a great discussion with him on the changing role of music content. And specifically, we got his thoughts on whether in the new music industry, artists might be viewing their music less as a product in itself and more as sort of a loss leader or a marketing tool uh, to almost give away for free and build a fan base and bring those fans ultimately to other uh, products, such as live shows and crowdfunding campaigns. Um, Seeing as you're somebody who's been in the game for a long time and you've worked with a bunch of indie artists through CD Baby, what are your thoughts on that? And in, in your own career, what role does your content play? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's true. I agree with that. The one thing <laughs> I hate the word content. Um, oh no. <laughs> and somewhere on my, I feel like somewhere on my bio, I, I talk about like, um, you know, being a content creator for CD baby. And then I end it by saying something like content is a dirty word because I feel like it just, you know, it has that, like, I don't know, that sort of just, it's so bland. It's just like it's all suddenly it's just this little vessel that you put a widget in and, uh, you know, that, that it becomes more about what the thing is doing transactionally than as opposed to what the thing does in terms of connectivity between the creator and the, and the intended audience. And like that being said, I use the word all the time because I'm writing about, I'm writing about this stuff and I am a content creator and, you know, it's just in the air, but I, I, 
hate that word. I, uh, I think in a lot of ways it is like for lack of a better word, because when you're trying to talk, you know, because, you know, modern day DIY artists, they're not just making recordings. They're doing all these different forms of <clears throat> content. And, you know, <laughs> and it's and, and you're sort of grasping for an efficient way to refer to this vast expanse of art that many talented musicians are creating and yeah, but you know, I, I agree. Yeah, it's it like does, a it, catch-all word for videos and songs yeah. and pictures and whatever else. You know, it could be a a PDF of of, of you know your lyrics or your poems or like yeah. I, that's why I end up using it because it is that for lack of a better term. But I feel like it does the actual work like a disservice in a way. Like I'm with you, <laughs> but but what can we do? But I mean, I think that to some degree that's true. You know, like. Um, Every album I've put out over the past 10 years, um, you know, like I feel like kind of like sells less physical copies and uh, makes less money, even though I I hope that the music's getting better over that time. And I think I have, you know, a bigger following, all this stuff. Um, and so, you know, that 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 is true that as things go to, you know, they went to downloads, and then it went to streaming and and. Uh, there's far less of that particular kind of revenue coming in. Um, at the same time, all these other kinds of revenue have been opened up over the past 10 to 15 years, like sync licensing and YouTube monetization and um, the reality that an independent artist can actually collect their publishing royalties, which was extremely difficult or impossible, you know, a decade or two ago. Like, mm -hmm. So there are other things that are... Um, you know, in some ways making up for it. And, you know, if you get a good sync placement, it more than makes up for probably what you're um, losing in, in revenue from CD sales because, um, you know, like I, I guess it's another one of those things that I uh, can see both ways depending on the day. But, um, you know, like I don't know if 20 or 30 years ago there was some huge musical middle class like everyone thinks there was i mean particularly in terms of recorded music there might have been a, a larger musical class uh, musical middle class in terms of live performance um but for recorded music what you could do with it is most people never got to make a record so right. like the fact that now you can make a record and then bitch about how little you make <laughs> while also having while also having the possibility that one of your songs could make you 40 or 50 thousand dollars from a coke commercial um, if if I'm on the positive side of the bed when I wake up, I think, wow, what an amazing world we're in right now um, that this is possible for, for hundreds of thousands of independent artists. Um, whereas before, you know, it was just the 1% or, when you, you know, whatever fancy term you want to use for the major label stars um, that had that chance. And now in some ways for recorded music, it's it's a lot wider in terms of your opportunities. Yeah. And, you know, when I was talking to Derek about this, you know, and keep in mind, he's the president of a company in which you, you know, you put, you give your music away for free on the platform. And right, right. even I couldn't pin him down to what he thinks the role of music content is in today's industry. Like he was, he, he wasn't sure. He said, he, you know, there, there's still a role for music to play as a product in itself. And I think ultimately that's something that the industry is going to continue to wrestle with. Um, and you'll probably re wrestle with as a musician for a long time. Right. And, you know, this is um, another thing I'm kind of fascinated with. But uh, for me personally, I'm a little bit um, I don't know if insula insulated. It's probably a bad word. But um, because I have a day job, I I have a little more freedom to not not worry about that stuff as much. Like 
But I also have plenty of friends who are full-time musicians, and um, it's cool to me how differently they're making their careers work. Like I have two friends that uh, are, are basically trying to avoid clubs altogether, and they concentrate on house shows, and when they make records, it's like a very kind of special experience that their fans feel a part of. So it's that real like, you know, super community focused and homegrown approach. And that's working really well. And then I have other friends who are like, you know, everything's on Spotify. They want their fans to stream as much as possible and they don't really care about producing CDs and they are touring all the time and making it work. And then, you know, there's other people I know that don't ever play live. They concentrate on recording at home and licensing their music to commercials and TV shows and they're making a living that way. So I think that's another interesting thing about where we are at today is there's no particular right way. It's kind of like what works for you emotionally and, you know, what, what can you manage for your life? And then, uh, there's probably an avenue for success in, in whatever you feel like, uh, fits with your, you know, your, uh, Oh, I, I think you're right on the money there. And it's it's one of the cool things that I've come to discover with doing this podcast and having all these different indie musicians on is that um, they've all defined success a different way and they've all found success in different ways. And that's something that definitely would not have been the case 20 years ago when, you know, the only real revenue stream for musicians was playing live shows. And, you know, if you were lucky enough to get a record deal you know, releasing music that way, or maybe you're selling music out of the trunk of your car or something. And it's, it's cool to see how things have changed. And at right now I want to play some of your own, I'm not going to call it content. How about art? Some of <laughs> <Okay>. your art. <laughs> um, uh, we're going to play the song anonymous, which is the, uh, which is what that your music video used as its song. Uh, we're going to play that right now on the break, the business podcast.
Oh, man, that song is a jam, Chris. Thanks for so much for letting <laughs> us play it on the show. Uh, you yeah. Can, uh, if you want the album that that song is on, that's The Great Make Believer. You can find it on Chris Robley's Bandcamp page. That's chrisrobley.bandcamp.com. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a treat, and we'd love to have you on again real soon. Oh, thank you so much. All right. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Chris Robley for joining us in the previous segment. You can check out his music at chrisrobley.com. You can find his blog articles at diymusician.cdbaby.com. And you can get a copy of his latest album, The Great Make Believer, on Bandcamp and on pretty much anywhere else you can find albums. He's awesome. He's great. And I'm so glad he was able to join us in the previous segment. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Yes, indeed. All right. So we teased it in the first segment that Uh we wanted to bring in some of the I was gonna say your favorite characters, but really they're the audience's favorite characters. I mean, the people that uh, have visited this show. Yes, to to give some uh, some thoughts on the new studio. Like, I don't like calling them characters because I mean, well, they have they are full of character. You know, there are individual people that have stopped by this show from time to time to weigh in on things. Fair enough. Yes. And so they they want they they wanted to talk about the new studio and well, our, you know, I sent setup. them I sent them a text to let them know what was going on. I'm not sure if you did. Because I think they all let me know that actually, like, what's the deal with Ryan here? He's not reaching out to us to let us know what's going on. It seems that always I have to be the conduit of information in terms of time, place, and everything, you know. Well, I feel like you know them better. I guess so. Sorry. <laughs> I just took a sip of water, and I'm towards the end, and it picked <laughs> up. so professional. <laughs> you just, I'm, I'm, I'm positive that picked up on the mic. You just took a massive swig of water. <laughs> well, because, again, it, it's towards the end, so, like, the straw part of this uh, thing. We took, like, a 30-minute break before we recorded this final segment in between Robley and now, and you... <laughs> I don't have to explain myself to you. <laughs> you explain yourself to the listeners. You had time to drink water. I am accountable to no one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do what I want. And the worst part is that the listeners probably love that crap. What? Well, just like this? you you swigging water and me going, what the hell was that, is the most entertaining stuff on this podcast. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, God, it sounds so nasty. Because it's, it's at the end. I, gotta, I know, you're, so you're it's slurping. Should I just go leave right now and go get some water? What I would have preferred is you to get water during the long break we just took. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'd like things to happen too in life. <laughs> we all don't get what we want, which actually we're going to talk about a little bit later on. No, no. I mean, if you want, you get your water. You can. You want to like run into the kitchen, grab grab some water. I'll, I'll just I'll just talk. I'll keep the tape busy for a while. That'd be funny because I wouldn't know what she'd be saying. But also, I, I wouldn't even know where to get water in the kitchen because I actually haven't used it yet. Well, there's a faucet. Water comes out of it. Oh, okay. No, you know we're fine. We're okay, good. All worry. right, fair enough. Anyway, yeah. So you know, I've got um, I got the guy, I got the guys coming out. They're lining outside the door right there. No, they're all they're all, all right, together. On. They came in the same car. Yeah, the a group rate, you know. What, what, this is what you think everyone just has your amount of cash? They can all just <laughs> rent Audis. All right, come on in, buddy. 
Hey, okay, okay. All right. Let me let me get this thing set up here, Ryan. Okay. Um, oh, Canada Day. Welcome back. <laughs> hey, buddy. How's it going, eh? Uh, it's going great. Oh, I, oh, it feels weird to be here without the music playing underneath. Oh, well, oh, wow. uh, unfortunately, I don't have it for you right now. <laughs> it's okay, man. Listen, I, I, I realize you got a lot of things going on in your mind, buddy, okay? And, like, the last thing you want to do is, like, figure out what the, what, what, what sort of music Canada Day is going to have. I mean, that's not what you want to do. That's not what you want to do. You got a lovely home here, by the way. A really nice home. You know, looks like I, if I'm, I put a lot of hockey stuff on here, Ryan. Oh, because we were talking in the first segment about how we want to decorate the studio, and you're saying hockey stuff. I'd say hockey, like maybe some Maple Leafs, some Canadian flags everywhere. You Original know. six only, I'm guessing, for NHL? Or? Well, I mean, that would be only then uh, the, the Maple Leafs and the Canadians. Um, Unless you want some Winnipeg Jets in there, too. I guess, you know, we, we can do that, buddy. You know, whatever you want. I don't know. I mean, maybe get a poster of Lord Stanley himself. God rest his soul. <laughs> you know what I don't want you to have, though, Ryan? What? Wolves. Oh, no wolves. Of course, of course. Now, there was a dog up front, and I couldn't tell if he was a dog or just a miniature wolf in disguise ready to pounce. Oh, you're talking? Oh, no, that's a, a cocker spaniel. Uh, that's Oliver. Okay, so he's not a wolf or spaniel or anything like that. No, 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 no. Just a very friendly dog. My parents' dog, super nice dog. Okay, I'll, I'll trust you on that. But anyway, buddy, it looks great. I really like what's going on here. I, there's a, I see a futon here that I'm probably going to have to crash on. Because remember, buddy, you said crash on couches whenever you can. You got to crash on a couch. I did give that advice to artists, yes. Yeah, and God knows I have been using it nonstop, buddy. I kind of like this. I kind of like talking to all the characters and asking them how we can decorate the new studio. All right, enough of you, buddy. It's, it's time for Metal Dave to get in here. Yeah, right. I haven't seen you in a while, buddy. It's good to see you, Metal Dave. It's good to see you, too. All right. So Do what you do you think? How would she decorate this place? All right. One word, Ryan. Yeah. Blood. Blood? Yeah. On my walls? I just painted these walls, man. And where are we going to get blood? Or should I not ask? The pit, Ryan. By the way, you know, me and Dave are going to go down to San Bernardino in September to see Ozfest and Notfest. We'll get you buckets of blood, all right? If that's your problem, buddy, we'll get you buckets of blood. Okay, so... I'd also like some uh, uh, some pentagrams, maybe. Um, some incantations and everything to, you know, summon the Dark Lord himself. Well, that's not, that'll make it sound... That'll make it very hospitable. I like that. Oh, yeah. You think your wife will like that? Oh, certainly. You know, she loves pentagrams and metal stuff, and she's always rocking out to right. metal music. Okay. By the way, buddy, I saw a dog out there. You know, I couldn't tell. Is that Ludivine? No, that's not Ludivine the Bloodhound. It's, it's Cocker Spaniel, little dog. Okay. Has he at least rendered flesh? I can't say that he has. Okay. Bye for now. All right. So, so far we have hockey stuff and blood and pentagrams in the new studio. Right. Oh, oh, Keith Richards. Hi, Keith Richards. Uh, music legend Keith Richards is now here. Don't try to placate me, Brian, with phony applause. Sorry. Listen, Brian. Uh, I've been so, in a lot. I'm sorry. You know, you got a lot of stuff going on in your life, and I would not expect you to remember my name, but you... You, you, you always get it wrong every time you're here. I'm Ryan, not Brian. It's okay. It's a simple mistake. I mean, now you know. So now in the future, you can call me by my actual name. Right. Anyway, Brian, 
the studio. I've been in lots of studios, mate. Right, my whole life. Of course, yeah. You've performed at all the. You've performed yeah. in all the great studios. Exactly. The one over there. The other guys. Everything. <laughs> I've. Never- those are, those are legendary studios. Oh, right, yeah. right. That's where the Beatles were. That was, <laughs> those bastards. Oh, the Beatles. I hate them so much. I hate the Beatles. All right. Right, I saw you got a record player. Do you have a Beatles record here? Uh, no, I don't have any Beatles records. Good, over- Ryan. Brian. I ca- <laughs> I- <laughs> My hatred is so much, I accidentally <laughs> forgot your name. That was very rude of me, Brian, Just to forget no. your name. No, no you were actually right when you were wrong. It's It's Ryan. That's why I tell Mick all the time. Anyway, I think what you need here, my friend, yeah, is drugs. Drugs. Yes, drugs. Like lots and lots of drugs. All over my walls in the studio. Yes, and for hosts, guests, whoever. Oh, so we have like drugs that we can provide to people when they come into the studio. Right. D- right. Like, Didn't you notice? Like lollipops at a you know. Did a, you notice, a- Brian, how good music was in the sixties? You know, it was a golden age for music. Sure. Do you know what studios had? Um, drugs. Yeah, lots of it, Brian. That's Brian. why we made such great music. Well, but we're, we're I mean, except I, unless, I, unless you're talking about an octopus god and Ringo. What the bloody hell is that? <laughs> that was a little strange. Well, but here's the thing, Keith. And again, I I, I don't like to question you, but then it, don't, Brian, and stop your your, your tomfoolery. <laughs> but it's it's one thing when you're trying to make creative music but we're trying to provide information here at this podcast and i think it's important for us to keep our minds sharp and i don't know if getting drugs for everybody is going to be the way to do that well i disagree brian anyway and i think you should have a poster for one of the best bands in the world that i truly love brian yeah what band would that be millie vanilli a little unexpected you know you- that's my time brian i'm gone <laughs> <laughs> Music legend Keith Richards joining us with a love for Millie Vanilli that I didn't expect. All right. All right. What's going on here? Oh, our French Canadian friend, Quebecois Dave. I thought for sure he would come right after Canada Dave, but you know, you go at your own pace, Quebecois Dave. You, you always think you know me, Brian. I think that's what I, I, I had no idea, by the way. I'm thanking Keith Richards for alerting me to my uh, mistake by calling you Ryan, but really it's Brian. Wait, why is why is why is Quebecois Dave getting my name wrong now, too? Uh, it's, it's, it's humorous to me, Ryan. Making you look even more foolish. Oh, I see. So, yes. How, what do I think of uh, the studio right now? Yeah, we, we've been asking every guest that's come in, all, all of our favorite people, uh, how we should decorate the new studio, because the walls are bare right now. And so what do you think? Mm, yes. It's very blanc right now. That's what I'm looking for is blanc. It's very what? Blanc. Blanc? Yes, white in French. Oh, oh, of yeah. course, yes. Also, it is very foolish. Well, well, by definition, it's not foolish. There's nothing here. Yeah, you are here. It is enough. <laughs> you fool. I walked into that. Damn it. There is no... Ryan, where is uh, the, the wine cellar? Is there any wine in here? No. Uh, no, no, there's no wine is in there's here. There's no poutine just out for me? There should be drugs for Keith and poutine for me? Sounds like a party. <laughs> Drugs and poutine. Yeah, this is a great party, bro. Oh, Metal Dave approves. Goodbye, you fool. All right, thank you very much. 
uh, to our French-Canadian friend, Quebecois Dave. Goodbye. All right. Is that it? Yeah, well, I mean, I know there's a few other... I mean, you have, like, music industry, fat cat, and everything, but I think... You know, I think we've gotten enough great ideas that we can start to decorate these walls with, uh, what was it, hockey paraphernalia, yeah. uh, blood and yep. pentagrams, uh-huh. drugs, and poutine. Yes. I mean, this is, is going to be a rocking studio. I mean, it's going to be pretty. <laughs> I mean, french fries with gravy and cheese curds, drugs, blood, and some <laughs> hockey sticks, bro. This is great. Probably some maple syrup in there, See, too. I was just thinking of hanging the Break the Business logo in here or something, but that might work, too. I think the neighbors may complain of the smell emanating from here, but uh, who cares about them, right? That's that's right. I mean, they're, they're the ones driving motorcycles during our first segment. Yeah, we should knock on your neighbor's doors and go, screw you, we're here. Anyway. Yeah, that sounds like a great way to make friends with the neighbors. All right, before we go, uh, we wanted to try a new segment. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I, I can't tell if, if, if you out there can tell that we're sort of struggling to the end here. <laughs> Um, just, why are you throwing the show under the bus I'm like not that? throwing it under the bus I'm being honest okay I can be honest with myself that for whatever reason this week I did not get inspired it was a rough well, week you at worked, work you worked a lot this week it you put a, in a lot of hours it was week. a rough week I'm, I'm sure like unlike you Mr. like you know jet ski you know with your <laughs> with your jet skis even your I, shirt even your shirt seems nautical in nature just you know flaunting your jet skiness I don't ride jet skis. Why, yeah, do you, sure. why do you have me as like this old money guy who goes to regattas and stuff? Like, I, I didn't say regattas. I said jet skiing. Well, out on the water I doing think there's, aquatic get, things. There's like a shed back there. Probably the jet ski in it. <laughs> dead bodies and jet skis in the shed. Anyway. But no, you, you. I mean, I think people seem to forget that we're actually like lawyers who work pretty crazy hours. And sometimes it's hard for us to, to get inspired. And you're saying that that's this kind of week for you. I think... I think you did a great job this week. Eh. I like what you've done so far, eh. but you're, you're not feeling it. And you're thinking that, and you were saying earlier, the new studio is throwing you off a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But also, well, I mean, why are those two twin girls just there looking at us? <laughs> you notice them in the corner, right? I can't just... believe I looked. <laughs> wow. On. I did make you look. That's so embarrassing. That's All funny. Right. That's, that's good space work. So, but we have a, <laughs> we have a segment we're going to try. Yeah, because contrary to popular belief, you also get mad at things. I do. Um, we both get mad about stuff, and we decided to try a segment where we would just rant about stuff that we're mad at, and it's called Ryan and Dave are mad about stuff. We're going to see if it works. Right. Um, and so we have music for it. Oh, we do. Yes, we do. If I can find it. There it is. Hope we didn't pay a lot for it. No, royalty-free music. All right, so this is our Ryan and Dave get mad about stuff segment. Uh, you Am I going first? You go first, buddy. All right. So here's what I'm mad about, all right? Uh, I'm a big Star Trek fan. You know, I love me some Star Trek. We both love Star yes. Trek. And uh, a few months ago, there was a lawsuit that was going out because the producers of Star Trek were suing these guys uh, that were making a fan movie, Axanar. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people make fan films of Star Trek. So they're not they're not actually Star Trek, you know, licensed Star Trek movies. It's just a bunch of kids getting together, making movies. They crowdfunded this project, and Star Trek's suing them. And that's a jerk move. I mean, these are your fans. It's not like they're taking any money out of your pocket. You're right. just being a jerk. And so now recently, J.J. Abrams, the guy who's directing the new yeah. Star Trek movie or producing it or something, he's come out and said that he like, that he talked to the Paramount people and said that he convinced them to drop the lawsuit. And it's like, well, great. You know, after you've already gotten these guys to spend a ton of their own money defending themselves, I'm sure they've already spent thousands of dollars on legal fees, these yeah. poor Star Trek Axonar guys. Now they're going to drop the suit. Hey, 
Star Trek. If you really want to be nice to these people, how about you reimburse them for the legal fees you made them pay just because you're a jerk trying to enforce a copyright? Oh, oh, and another thing. Like, why are copyrights so freaking long in this country? And in the world, frankly. Like, Star Trek's been around... Oh, see, now I'm mad. See, now you got me angry. Like, Star Trek's been around for five decades. Like, that's... Like, they're just... They're celebrating their 50th anniversary now. You're telling me that five decades isn't enough time to make a whole bunch of money off this Star Trek copyright? They need another 50 years or whatever? No. Like... You've, you've had plenty of time to make a ton of money off this. Now, go let some people go make their fan films. Right. I'm so... I, 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 copyright abuse makes me so angry. And I'm a copyright lawyer, but I don't think they should last this long. Whew, man, my blood was boiling. Do you feel better? I do, actually. I mean, I feel bad for those guys at Star Trek Axanar, these poor, just regular folks who had to pay a bunch of money in legal fees up till now. But, this better be a good movie by them, by the way. I know. This, this this movie better bring it for, you know, everything that J.J. Abrams and everybody's gone through. Yeah, this was like, uh, remember the uh, the Russian band uh, Pussy Riot? Yeah. How everyone was like, they got jailed. And everyone's like, whoa, Putin's jailing and the Russians, are, they're crushing free speech, free Pussy Riot. They're just trying to, um, you know, be Express artists. themselves. And, yeah, 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 yeah. We're on their side, Pussy Riot. And we're saying this word a lot. But, you know. And all of a sudden, it's like every, the world galvanizes behind them, right? Until you actually then listen to their stuff. <laughs> Remember, they actually were on House of Cards. Yeah. They were on House of Cards with Kevin Spacey. That's and they right. had, like, in, in the episode they were in, basically playing a sort of quasi themselves. They didn't have a music video at the end of that, right? And you're listening to the music, and you're like, holy crap. We were fighting for this? This is terrible, hot <gasps> garbage. <laughs> Bad stuff. Okay, good, it looped. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, so that's what's got you a little bit steamed for right. Star Trek. All right. Okay, here's what happened. I mentioned earlier I went to a baseball game last night with my dad. Went to the old ballpark, right? Oh, nice. Fun stuff. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if I ever come back. I didn't buy peanuts or Cracker Jacks, and I really wanted to go home afterwards. Oh, yeah. No, you, you got to get up. You got to work and stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm, I have no interest in staying at Marlins Park any longer than I needed to. Anyway. Um, How'd the fish do? They went? Yeah, they won. 3-2. Three, 3-2, three, two, three, two, sorry. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ichiro went 4-4, uh, four for four, right? Or 3-3. Three, oh, right. three, 3 for 3 with a walk, anyway. Okay, anyway. Besides the point, Jose Fernandez won also. Oh, it was a Jose day. That makes sense. Anyway. Yeah. So, so what are you mad about? Well, so, you know, my dad's tickets are kind of off, you know, kind of like in the behind home, not behind home plate, but sort of off into that side, behind the, the netting and everything. Good You seats. know, like 12, 13 rows up, right? So every once in a while, there's some foul balls. And um, towards the end of the game, foul ball territory. towards the end of the game, the way this pitcher was was throwing and everything, his angle, there's a lot, all of a sudden like like ten foul balls in a row back towards us. Right, one goes above us, bounces off one of the sign stuff on on the edge, bounces almost right next to me a little bit, and then goes up three rows, and is caught by this guy, this kid that was like right next to me with the, with a family. All of a sudden, like pouts, and I, you I mean, you can't obviously see my face, listeners. But just pouts and like looks at his dad like, oh, you betrayed me, father. Like there's a knife in his heart. Oh, you didn't get the foul ball. And he goes and he sits by his mom and sulks and pouts. And it's just like, oh, "Oh." well, that's weird because this kid and the family legitimately had like no shot to get this ball. But this kid didn't get the ball, Ryan. So he goes to pout. Next pitch. Other side of me this time. Another foul ball goes, and there's a family, and there's a kid that didn't get it. And these kids are like maybe seven, eight years old. Pouch puts his face in his shirt and his knees up, and is just, oh, I'm soaking, right? I didn't get a foul ball. And I'm like, 
what the heck are these kids kids whining about? Who gives a crap? You know, yeah, you want a foul ball, but it wasn't, wasn't like their dads had it in their hand, right? And like, oh, crap, it yeah, fell sure. out because, you know, it's a freaking foul ball from a major leaguer. The first ball, all of a sudden, the guy that ended up catching it walks up the three rows and gives it to the guy next to me so he can give it to oh, his kid. Oh, oh, And I'm kind of like, and instead of like, oh, wow, that's so nice. Like, why did that guy feel the need to? Yeah. There was legitimately no need. It wasn't one of those stories where you see a 45-year-old man, like, punches out a 12-year-old to get a ball. Right. You know, or whatever. Like, no. It, it, it He's a friggin' stranger. He didn't need to give him the ball. And then the kid, like, the dad makes him go down and says thank you and everything. And kind of goes things with his sheepish smile. Like, oh, thank you. It's like, but learn some life lessons, yeah. kid. We don't all get what you want. And all you're doing is incentivizing that kid sulking. Yeah. And like... Let me give you a piece of advice, kid, if you're listening. No, I know you're listening because this is a popular show, you bastard. <laughs> um, all right. If that's a bad thing, if that's like the worst thing that happens to you, a foul ball, you, know, you count your lucky stars, you little pile of crap. <laughs> yeah, wait till that kid hits 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, it's, yeah, we're 30. All right. I've had some crap happen to me, Ryan. All right. Foul ball. I would love a foul ball missed when I was seven to be the, the thing. worst thing ever. Yeah, you know. But also, if that was the case, I'd be a giant pile of douche. If that was the level of disappointment I've had in my life. Yeah, yeah. I hate this kid. Have you ever gotten a foul ball before in no. a major league game? Me neither. Me neither. So like, the kid's got to be reasonable with his expectations. Yeah, but he also, and, and I'm fine with it. it. It's not been the thing in my life. It's not. Gonna, you know? it, it hasn't put you in therapy and you know made you. No, no. that has not put me with. in therapy. That has not put me in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> the foul balls and lack thereof. No, no. You know, I've been to a World Series game. Okay, I've been to NBA Finals games. Okay, I was mm-hmm. kind of in a way near a Super Bowl. I was a Super Bowl baby. Yeah. You know, I just haven't been to a you know a Stanley Cup game. But okay, the foul ball is not the end off be all of my life, Ryan. Yeah. But and and, I, I, and just to go back to this, like I feel like we're we're imparting the wrong lesson on this kid, because oh, he, yeah. he got the ball only because he was like a sulking pain in the butt, and so we're like, okay, let's give the kid the ball. Like we're incentivizing the wrong behavior there. No, you want a ball, kid? Work your ass off, get in the major league, sign a deal, and they'll give you a whole bunch of balls. All right, and you can take it home and do whatever the hell you want with it, you little punk. But no, things get handed to him. All right, good kids don't get things handed to them. Ryan, I, I hit the wire. Good things don't. Get, good kids don't get Thanks things for handed the commentary to them. Commentary on that. Sorry. All right, like you know, I think like was it like one of your your your, your nieces like had a piano recital the other day and yeah. she freaking killed it, bro. She did. She crushed it. Yeah. Okay. And Metal Dave ended up commenting on her, you know, uh, her mom's uh, Facebook page. Okay, <laughs> that's a kid that goes out and get things done, Ryan. Takes it, earns it for yourself. Not giving it by foul ball. Oh God! Yeah, it's not like she's ever sulked her way to the trophy. She earned that trophy or whatever. She, she earned it. That's yeah, right. That's what kids need to be doing. Yeah, they need to get out there and earn stuff. Stop. Li- you know what? Oh, I, kick him out. Kick him out. Yeah, they of, need to earn. of the ballpark. Oh, I was just thinking in life. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was good stuff. Are, okay, was that sufficiently mad? Did, yeah, did, yeah, did, did mad? you like did you like that segment? Did, how, how did that make you feel? Honest assessment. I thought it was good because that that that, that honestly, I was really annoyed by that guy giving the kid the foul ball. It's, I almost want to say, I'm like, what are you doing, guy? You got the friggin' ball. Yeah. Keep it. Take it home for you. Yeah. You're allowed to like things when you're like an over thirty year old man. It's not just little kids. I want a foul ball. I want a foul ball too, right? Yeah, I would love a foul ball. I want. Uh oh. If I just cross the streams, 
Am I the kid? Oh, no. <laughs> In many oh. ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Anyway, but, you know, yeah, that was fun. I was going to say, I, 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 wish, I wish I could get mad at the fact that maybe you and I are on different teams. Like, I'm Team Captain America, you're Team Iron Man, but no, you're Team Captain America. I am Team Captain America. That's good. Because that's my thought. If, like, if you ever, like, killed someone, I'd totally, like, back you up. <laughs> not, on, not, not on the murder itself, but, like, I wouldn't, I, you know, I'd help you out. You sure. Know? Well, that's, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, dude, you know, they went to war together. They grew up in the Depression together. What do you want? Him and Iron Man are just co-workers. Wow. If people haven't seen Civil War yet, they have no clue what you're talking about. Well, that's on them. I, again, I, you know what? That makes me mad. I know the music's gone, but... <laughs> <laughs> now I can get mad again. I can get mad again because the music says I can't. Okay, go ahead. Sure. Why do people not see movies in theaters? Answer me, Ryan. Cause it, cause it, it's not rhetorical. Because it's expensive sometimes. I don't buy that shit. I mean, whoops, sorry. I've been trying. To, I've actually been trying to be good. To you not, went through the whole episode without swearing. I, I, I've been trying to be good with it. Um, you know, I, why don't people buy tickets to movies? Go see a movie. It's a massive screen. I know, but some people don't have the funds, man. Like, it's the difference Come between... Come on, it's like $10 in the afternoon on a weekend. Well, right, but, like, a lot of these movies are in 3D or whatever, but, like... A, a, you don't have to see it in 3D. Two, two tickets is going to cost you somewhere close to 25 or 30 bucks, whereas you can watch it on demand for, like, $5. Or yeah. watch it Redbox for, like, but $5. Then, no, but then... It's like you... Then you're taking away... The joy from people you may meet of talking about the film and experiencing it. That's which, true. Which is basically me. You, you want to go, yeah. it's like, oh, have you seen, uh, did you see Civil War? No. Oh, why? Well, I've been waiting for it to come out later on. Like, you schmuck. Just buy the tickets. So really, you're just mad because this hurts you. Like, you're not making some principled stand for traditional movie viewing. You're just mad because you have fewer people that you can talk about this awesome movie with. I mean, it is all about me, Ryan, in the end. There you go. We, but we've known this for a long time. I think you and I have known this for almost 20 years now. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, buy, buy movie tickets. Support your local mom-and-pop AMC massive chain theaters. <laughs> all right? Mom-and-pop. Support Walt Disney. Support Paramount Studios because now they're not suing people for the use of Klingon. You know, support Sony, support support all the companies that they actually have resumes into right now. Oh my God, you're so shameless. Yeah, I know. What this is? What this is the age we live in, buddy? You gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> all right. Our thanks to Chris Robley for joining us in the previous segment. Our thanks to Dave. And yeah, me. all of yeah. Thank you, Dave, and thank yeah, you to thank all you. the Dave people, all Canada, Dave. Metal Dave, Quebecois Dave, Keith Richards, everybody for joining us. No problem, buddy. I hate you. Yeah, let's do it again. Oh, I hate you too. Oh, very good. All right. <laughs> Thank you all very much. We'll see you next week from our new studio from here on out on the Break the Business Podcast. K2.